0: You guys, this is not the most comfortable question I'm going to start with, but has there ever been a moment that completely changed the trajectory of your life? And I'm not talking about it in a good way. I'm talking about a moment in time where you were hit by a professional or emotional earthquake that made you stop dead in your tracks and really reconsider what you've been doing for a living and, and what you were living for. For most people, one such moment is enough for a lifetime, but try – And and work with me here. In a way, two in the span of seven years. This week happens to be the 13th anniversary of the Lehman Brothers collapse, which, as you all know, triggered the financial crisis and a global recession which lasted for years. Last week was the 20th anniversary of 9-11. My guest today, in a way, endured both. T.J. Jong worked at Lehman Brothers on 9-11 As for the implosion of the company, he left before that happened but was still deeply affected because he knew so many people who were still working there. But, yes, seven years earlier, he was headed to that Lehman job on the 40th floor of the World Trade Center on that fateful morning of 9-11. But he couldn't grab the ferry from the New Jersey side in time, so it left him stranded across the river in Jersey City where he watched as the first plane Flew into the South Tower. Instead of letting horrifying experiences consume his life, he quit his Wall Street job, went back to school to get his PhD, while simultaneously starting up software company Avpoint with a former co worker. Oh, and by the way, Avpoint just went public in July. So I thought, what's this guy made of? To Avpoint co founder and CEO TJ Jong. TJ, welcome to Everyone Talks to Liz. I should call you kind of Superman or Spider Man. You're amazing.
1: Thank you, Liz. Thank you for having me on the show. Uh, it's a pleasure to be here. Thank you. Listen, yeah.
0: we're thrilled to have you because you are just the kind of person that we need our listeners to hear from. You turned lemons into lemonade or lemonade. We could make a joke on that, but it's not funny. <laughs> uh, you were working at Lehman Brothers, but y- you had left before the collapse, correct? Because we're at the, you know, this 13th anniversary anniversary of Lehman Brothers imploding. And I'm sure today that still affects you, even though you had departed from that job, you still had so many friends there when it went under.
1: Absolutely. I mean, Lehman, you know, the colleagues are family. Uh, and um, while I left Lehman right after nine eleven 11 to go to grad school and then start this business, uh, I remained uh, very well connected to folks there. So I still remember that day when the world froze uh, in 2008 Mm -hmm. and when people are literally carrying boxes of their office uh, stuff out of the building escorted out of the Times Square building. And it's, uh it, it's still shocking to remember. But you know, that network goes on, uh, I still remain in, in in connections and some of the bankers actually help us do our series B deal with Goldman Sachs Merchant Banking in 2014. Mm-hmm. It's amazing how small the world is uh, Liz. So you know, never bring bridges, always keep in touch with folks. And uh you know, that will be a fantastic network to continue to expand upon.
0: Why did you leave Lehman?
1: Yeah, it's after 9-11. So I, I saw the, as you mentioned, um, the plane here, the South Tower. That's a second plane. And uh, it's a life-changing event. I, I personally know folks who um, just lucky that day didn't go to work. I, I had a colleague that started just a week before me. And we were uh, lead developer for the uh, trading uh, system. That's uh, program trading on equity desk. And he would go to work early, and I usually go to work right before 9, and he would go to work at 8 sharp. And at the time, he had a competing offer from Cantor Fitzgerald. And and you know, the Cantor is above 80th floor, North Tower. And uh, nobody uh, above 80th floor uh, survived that day. And after that event, he was kicking himself. He said, uh, I was going to k- take the Cantor offer because a hiring manager told me, gave me a tour of the office and said, we have the best view of all of Manhattan. And, you know, that that really resonated with me as I think, you know, life decisions, right? Um, you, you don't know what the next day will bring. And um, it's a massive life-changing event. And all my life, I, I've been the, you know, the the good uh, first-generation immigrant kids, study hard, go to the school, go to big companies, go to Wall Street and work there. And that day changed the perspective on everything, right? So for me, it's, hey, what do I want to do? Um, for for the rest of my life you know um the the world can come to an end tomorrow so i decided to go uh leave wall street pursue my passion uh went for a doctor first went to mba program at stern and then uh switch over to a full-time doctorate studies and data mining machine learning and this is before big data is a a word even uh i got my doctorate in 2008 so it's triggered a serious event where I really have to question myself and, you know, what I really want to do. And do I want to, you know, stay at a high salary position, but one I'm not so thrilled about, or do I really want to go out and do something on my own and start a business before 9-11 that never crossed my mind. And, and I think that life-changing event for most of us that went through it, uh, was the kick I needed to reassess. And uh, take risks, honestly.
0: Did you lose friends on 9-11?
1: Luckily for me, all my colleagues on 40th floor North Tower uh, uh, was okay. Uh, Many of them climbed down. Mm -hmm. Uh, They were describing elevator full of water. Uh, Lobby is flooded. Um, Luckily for me, I don't personally know anyone uh, that lost their life that day. But I have known other people that, you know, uh, one degree of separation that have. Mm -hmm. The misfortune of going to work early that day, etc. But, um, years later, I was at the Ernst Young, um, Entrepreneur of the Year uh, award ceremony. Um, and 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 I met um, the Kent Sir, one of the brothers, the surviving brother, who won Entrepreneur of the Year mm. that year. And what a fascinating story he shared about 9 11. And as you know, everyone in the canter office that day did not make it, including his brother. So they remade the company. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Well, Howard's a friend of this network and a friend of mine. And I always call him the most inspiring person I've ever met, having dealt with losing 658 employees on that day, including his little brother, Gary. It's just horrific. But I, I find what you just said a few minutes ago, really important where you woke up and realized, wait a minute, It could be over in a second. You've got to really reach out and grab, even if it's beyond your reach, right? And get out there and do that. So, you know, what was really behind starting AvPoint? What did you feel wasn't in existence? And who wasn't being served in software where you said, I can do that?
1: Liz, this is the funny part, right? I actually give a lot of talks to entrepreneurs, as far as entrepreneurs as well. Not everything in life starts with epiphany, right? Mm-hmm. And also, most often, 99% of the first set of ideas you have is horrible <laughs> <laughs> and will not make it. <laughs> so, so we started the business. I was in grad school, and my friend uh, uh, and the co-founder of the company, Kai, um, he, like most people, got laid off by Lucent. I met him uh, first job out of Cornell engineering and I met him at Lucent Bell Labs. We we're writing, uh, uh the, then the newest digital switches in early two thousand nineteen ninety seven. 1997. And, um, he's, he's 12 years, my senior, he stayed at Lucent. I went to wall street, uh, because Lucent was big telco, even though at, oh, that, time most, yeah. <laughs> at that time it was most. Yeah. At that time was mostly company held stock in America, right? Because Bell Labs is the crown jewel of at and and, um, But I quickly realized it's still telco. It's not a place for young engineer to compete. So I went to Wall Street. But he stayed at Lucent. But after two thousand one, Lucent kind of imploded, and um, like most people, he got laid off. So he started this company. And because he's twelve years older than me, and you know he really wants again same as me uh, that two thousand one was a life changing event for him. So he wanted to to start something on his own so he pulled me in we only knew b2b software at the time so we decided to work on something for uh microsoft change uh the backup software and this is a you know he's doing full-time i'm part-time in grad school and he got kicked out by his wife because you know he was (laughs) not making money (laughs) he was living on a friend's couch in a basement and um for three years, we made no no sales because even back then in the early 2000s, the Microsoft Exchange space is very, very crowded. And you remember this, Liz. Back then, we had to print CDs. You know, you're talking about B2B, right? It's oh, not yeah. B2C. It's not Yahoo right. of the world. Business
0: to business. Um,
1: business to business. So nobody will buy CD from, you know, a guy and a half in New Jersey, Som- Somerset, New Jersey. <laughs> um, so we, we made no money for three years. And... Um, and, but the good thing for us, lucky, right? Sometimes, you, oftentimes, you, everyone has to work hard and everyone does work hard. It's really, you also have to have the opportunity open in front of you and you have the, um, you know, foresight to seize it and, and make the most out of it. So for us, it was uh, two years in, Microsoft released this product uh, called uh, Project Tahoe. It's actually the precursor to their best selling product post, uh, even um, post Windows and Office. It's their ECM, Enterprise Content Management Platform, called SharePoint. At the time, it it, it became the fastest-growing product in Microsoft history, and this is before Microsoft Teams. So it grew faster than Office and faster than Windows. So it was an amazing trajectory. But in the early days, uh, Microsoft released this thing, and then we say, hey, it actually uses the same data format as Exchange. We should support it. But even then, made no money <laughs> because very few people were using it. Our break, big break came in 2004. 2000- so in our third year, um, we went to this uh, big trade show called Microsoft TechEd. That's where they announced all their products, educate their partners, and do tech sessions. So I was at the migration session. At the conference, we just had a table and a tablecloth. That's it, right? Very, very simple. No
0: candy, um, no giveaways. <laughs> nothing.
1: <laughs> Back then, Liz, I'll tell you a secret. We, 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 uh, we were so poor. Uh, we, you know, with the, the 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 monitor that we have at the table just to show our stuff. We we bought it as stables, and after the trade show, we return it. <laughs> <laughs> so we call it free rental. Free hey, you rental.
0: do what you gotta do.
1: That's right. You gotta hustle. Thank um, <laughs> you. So anyway, I was at the uh, tech session, and Microsoft said, "Hey, we came out with a second version." And those were the days when Microsoft's kind of not cool anymore, and and you know, Bomber was CEO for ten years. Their stock didn't really move, right? And first version of Microsoft product is not the best version, of mm-hmm. course. Um, so Microsoft said, hey, there's a new version. It uses fa- you know relational database, SQL. It's so much more powerful. It's a fantastic product. And by the way, we have no migration path from the first version to hmm. the second version because we didn't think people are really using the first version. Of course, their biggest customer and partners were you know upping arms. is Dell, HP, IBM. They say, hey, hey, we trusted you. We used the first version. How can you leave us high and dry with Uh. no migration? And of course, I stood up in the session, being, you know, hustling, right? Uh, This was uh, in my late 20s. I said, hey, we we have a product. We can migrate you. And that that got everyone's attention. So the head of Microsoft SharePoint, a gentleman by the name of Jeff Keeper, who actually, by the way, interviewed Sacha Nadella. um,
0: (laughs) And (laughs) now... Microsoft, Six degrees of separation drive, everywhere here. Exactly. <laughs>
1: um, so he came over and he said, "Do you have, guys have a product?" You know, in reality, Liz, we didn't have a product, but we understood the backup schema, the data s- structure. So we say we can. We knew we can develop it. We said, "Sure, we have a product." She said, "Okay, come to Redmond next week to show us." So of course, we coded the product over the weekend, tested it, it works. And then my partner, Kai, he booked the cheapest connecting flight from Newark to Seattle. And he was so poor, he also didn't have a laptop. So he carried his desktop tower with him oh. to Seattle, plug it onto the monitor, show Jeff it works. And then Jeff's like, great. Now we can refer customers to our partners to you because they're stuck. And that was our big break. And then Jeff said, hey, by the way, why don't you just bring a laptop? Why are you bring this heavy thing? And Kai was so embarrassed about you know the fact that he's too poor to buy a laptop. This is back in 2003, right? Uh, he said, oh, yeah, my laptop broke. So uh, <laughs> <laughs> I brought my desktop, Total a white line. Um, So that was the genesis. And of course, you know, once HP and Dell and IBM come to us, that changed the host's uh, oh. trajectory, right? Because B2B is all about reputation. It's all about credibility. And since then, we have earned this, this moniker for a company that always bite off the toughest bone to chew. So we really grew this company and... Uh,
0: Never look back. This is Everyone Talks to Liz, and we'll be right back. This articulates perfectly the not just fake it till you make it, but throw everything you have at it, no matter what. Never say die. This has got to, in a way, come from your background in your childhood. You said you, you know, you're an immigrant child, and, and you got to tell us a little bit about your folks and what they taught you that made you who you are today.
1: Yeah, like my, my, my parents are, um, so my father came to the States in 1985. He's one of the first research scientists, exchange scientists um, to to come to the US. He started in North, North Carolina, Chapel Hill, and then ended up working for uh, the Naval Hospital, so UH USS. this is the only uh, military research hospital for the armed forces. And um, me and my mother joined him a year later, so summer of 86, so my mother, um, uh, went to work at NIH, National Institute of Health. So my father was focused on cancer research, while my mother was focused on um, AIDS research. So these are the folks that went through, you know, in China this thing called Cultural Revolution. Yes. Where even though they they went to the best university, which is Beijing Medical University, they got sent to coal mines. Mm. Um, for 10 years 10 years Crazy. <laughs> so and, and you, you guys know your listener must know that you know track record of chinese coal mines they're not very good once you go down there you, your survival chances are not high um so they went through that and and that experience to me is just something that you know i i'm always in awe of what they have accomplished i mean they learned english when they're 40 years old before that they were learning russian um so <laughs> i came oh to space God. when i was Yeah. I was 11 years old. I know, you know, at that time, they don't even teach English in China. So I didn't even know ABCs. I I went from, you know, one of the good students in my school, uh, elementary school to knowing nothing. So -hmm. that was also a big, big, um, uh, culture shock. And obviously everything is foreign to me. Um, So I I started there and of course, you know, as a bio researcher, you make almost no money. so we were, you know, living in a house with three other family in Bethesda, Maryland. The lucky thing is because NIH is in Bethesda, right? Yes. Naval Hospital is in Bethesda. It's now Walter Reed. Um, so I actually happened to be, even though we were we were dirt poor, we happened to live in one of the best neighborhoods in America.
0: Well, they do so say, so T.J., to... location, location, by by the worst oh, house in absolutely. the greatest neighborhood.
1: <laughs> absolutely. So, you know, one of uh, several of my childhood friends, I met in my ESO English as a second language class in middle school, public middle school in Bethesda, Maryland called Pyle, And um, there. so in Bethesda, Maryland, for those of the listener that didn't know, it's where the diplomats and all their kids, uh, their families live that goes to DC. So in, in my ESO class, I had the uh, diplomatic corps, uh, uh, person's son from Argentina, from Indonesia, from South Korea. So one of my hobby was, hey, um, do you guys have your foreign coins? So I was collecting foreign coins. So all these kids have great <laughs> – brought <around laughs> me, all their coins from South Korea, <laughs> Indonesia, and uh, Argentina. I was having a great, great time. <laughs> well, uh, you these books.
0: you picked up the proverbial lucky penny because this story to me really underscores not just the American dream, but really the grit and what it takes to succeed. And I I want to end with simply asking you, what would you advise people listening who really have an idea but they're scared? They don't want to take that chance of what you did, which was leave a really good-paying job with benefits. Well, thankfully, you left Lehman because it imploded a couple of years later. But (laughs) at the time, that would have been a really frightening decision.
1: This, that was a very, very tough decision. I mean, I started working when I was 12, Delivering newspaper, raking leaves, mowing lawns. You know, I hear some of your other episodes, other founders did the same.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, I was always working uh, for myself. I never asked money for my parents. I always very self-sufficient and making it to Wall Street was amazing, right? I still remember as an 11-year-old kid and went to New York City for the first time and looking up those sky towers looked like they touched the sky and was just absolutely in awe. The first time I got the job at Deutsche Bank, when I first went to Wall Street, it was Deutsche Bank, and then I switched over to Lehman Brothers. I was working at World Trade Center Five, mm. and I had a window seat. I was looking at the plaza with that golden globe. If you remember that with the sure. fountain, like I made it. I, I, you know, I work on Wall Street. I work on Wall Trade Center. I remember my boss at the time told me, "Well, you know, the janitor in this building also work in." World Trade Center. So get off your high horses
0: Good. <laughs> and get to work. Good, I like so it. Since then, I never care about where I work anymore. <laughs> That's right. Uh, it really- I just focus on work at hand. Does not but matter, exactly. It does not matter.
1: It, it matters what you do and what you make of it, but it does not matter. But leaving Wall Street, going to grad school uh, with no earnings potential, and then doing a startup again, three years making no money, was one of the hardest decisions I had to make, Liz. Um, I often tell people this. It wasn't till like 13 years later. I actually made more money running Point, this company, than I was on Wall Street. And um, but I got to tell you, nine eleven was that kick in the rear I needed to 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 take that leap of faith and to pursue something that I want to do for myself, rather than just play safe. You know, work for a big company. And you know, have a steady and great income and be like that because life is too short. You know, you gotta, you gotta go, go live it. And and that was the big uh, change I needed. So 9-11 was a world-changing event, it's a life changing event for me. And my advice to your listeners who who are on the fence uh, thinking about doing something, pursuing their own passion is, you know, life is too short. And I'm grateful for every single day um and you got to go go for it you know what what do you have to lose
0: exactly i i really could not agree more tj what an inspirational story thank you so much for sharing it with us
1: thank you liv thank you it's a pleasure
0: uh this is one that i will really squeeze out and for myself get some some guts to do other things too beyond My reach. And I hope that you guys listening do too. This is so important. I'm so honored to be able to tell stories like that of TJ Jung. And uh, TJ, thank you very much. Thank you, Liz. And folks, once you make that money, you gotta, you gotta protect it you got to grow it so you got to join me monday through friday 3 p.m eastern even if you just got a little bit of money we're we're there to help you invest it and watch it and see it grow green shoots the whole shoot and match so please tune in monday through friday 3 p.m eastern on the fox business network and i'll see you next time